stand with me as we honor the word of God and turn our attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you in in, uh, imitate, Im imitate me. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. Imitate, imitate me. Father, we bless you and we thank you for this time that we have together. In the powerful name of Jesus, amen, 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 amen. I pray the Lord would clear my mind even right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen, amen. It's been an eventful morning, amen. But we are here in this place to worship the Lord. A man arrived home late after a long day of hours of work, and he was surprised to discover his five-year-old son was waiting for him at the door at such a late hour. And he turned to his dad and he said, can I ask you a question? And he said, Dad, how much do you make an hour. This puzzled the father. He said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I'm just walking in the door. What would make you at your age want to know how much I make? He said, in case you just are being inquisitive, I, let me, I make $50 an hour. And then his five-year-old son looked up to his dad and he said, well, can I borrow 25 now his father is infuriated. The, the, the first thing you greet me with is how much do I earn, and now you want to borrow money from me? You go right upstairs and get in your bed, close the door, and I'll see you in the morning. Little five-year-old made his way up the steps with his head bowed, closed the door, climbed in his bed. And as his father sat in the kitchen thinking about how he had spoken to his son, he became convicted and realized that he had been a little harsh, so he decided to go to his son's room and apologize. And so he said, son, I'm, I'm so sorry. It's been a long day. I've been working long hours, and I, I, I shouldn't have taken it out on you. And, and, and then the son, well, can I still borrow $25? And the dad said, okay. And so he reached into his pocket, and he gave his son $25. And when the little boy got the money into his hands, he reached under his pillowcase and he pulled out some bills, some loose bills, and he started counting them in front of his father. And, and now his father is really enraged. You already have money and you're asking to borrow money from me. How dare you? And the little boy said, I didn't have enough. I didn't have enough. He said, enough for what? He said, well, Dad, I want to pay 
you an hour's wage so I can spend an hour of time with you. He said, Dad, I got $50 now. Can I give you $50 so that you can come home a little earlier tomorrow and sit at the dinner table and have a meal with me? Hearing this, the father was crushed in his spirit, and he realized that his focus on the big things had distracted him as a dad from the little things. And I believe today that as we turn our attention to Paul's writing to the Corinthian church, if we were to couch his message in modern terms, this would be a memo to dads. Do the little things. Do the little things. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14 through 21, the Apostle Paul reminds the church with this very pointed remark that he was more than a father to them. He was their spiritual dad. In verse 15, he says, but though you have, you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers or dads, for in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. What Paul was saying is that he was their spiritual father. And he was talking to them not from the posture of a father, but as a doting, caring dad. Back in Romans chapter 8, the Bible says that we have been adopted into the body of Christ through his finished works. And because we have adoption through Christ's finished work, we, don't, we can approach God not just as our father in heaven, but we can call him Abba, Father. The Aramaic, Aramaic word for father is papa or daddy. So you can be a father, but that doesn't make you a daddy. So today I want to talk about at least five things that the Apostle Paul shares that will help us to be more than fathers to our children, but that we will do the little things by becoming daddy. In the role of daddy, we function as comforters, confidants, committed supporters, and those who challenge tenderly as we direct our children in the way that God has predetermined that they should go. When a, children call, when a child calls his father, when a, when a child refers to a man as his or her father, they are saying, I honor you for providing for me. But when they call you their daddy, they're not talking to you out of your responsibility or obligation as a provider, as a father. They are speaking to you out of relationship. They are speaking to you out of deposits that you have made to their account emotionally. They are referring to you because now you have withdrawals that you can take out because of what you've taken the time to place in. Daddy means we have an intimate, close, 
relationship that is based on reverence, but real love that fathers are able to process themselves into a position of now being called dads, it takes time. It allows you to laugh and to cry with your children. It allows you to touch them on an emotional level. And so I want to share with you, fathers, today just how we can become more than disciplinarians, more than authority figures, more than those who demand and should get respect, but how to become a daddy by doing the little things, by doing the little things. And one of the things that the Apostle Paul did to endear himself to the congregation at Corinth was that he acknowledged his love for his children publicly. He acknowledged his love for his offspring publicly. Now, some men uh, were raised in an environment where one of the things that men did not say in public, we, we don't say the word love. That's, that, that, that makes us sound soft in public. Now, we might say it in private or in the heat of a passionate moment. But sometimes we are raised in environments where we were told, ah, men don't do that. Now, listen to the words of the Apostle Paul. He said, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved, as those who I love. Children that I have to warn, for though you might have 10,000 instructors, you only have one father. And so he says, to my beloved, he is making a public declaration to anybody that want to know, I love these children. Now, what's interesting about this designation that the Apostle Paul used as he refers to the congregation at Corinth as his beloved, they were not his biological children. They were his spiritual offspring. And what that makes clear is that you can be somebody's daddy without birthing them biologically. Because being a dad is about relationship. Being a dad is about putting quality time in. It's sweat equity is, is that thing that helps us to become more than just the father figure. Now, here's some observations, four observations. The Apostle Paul express, expresses his love to children that weren't his biologically. A second thing, the Apostle Paul expresses love verbally in public by saying, you are my beloved. The Apostle Paul wanted the world to know, you are mine, special you have a special place in my heart. I'm not ashamed to make the world know that. Terrell Owens, a famous football player that we all came to love and some to hate, he said that he found out who his dad was when he started dating a girl across the street from where he lived. This man approached him, his neighbor, he said, you can't date her. He said, well, why? He said, that's your sister, and I'm your dad. There are men who have fathered children. <laughs> they didn't have any problem with the pleasure part of it, but the responsibility. They don't want nobody to know. And there are grown men who are walking around the streets today 
who have no clue about who their father is. And in search of who that might be, they become like Esau. They are in search of the blessing that comes from their, their dad, and they will do anything to get it. Paul publicly identified his relationship to his spiritual children without any shame. They didn't have to chase him down by a social security number. They didn't have to do any DNA. He said, you are my, I love you, and I want the world to know you belong to me. Any man that could lay down with a woman and, and father a child should never put their children in a position that Tara Owens found himself. You're learning who your dad is because you're dating your sister. The Apostle Paul viewed parenting as a privilege. The Bible says that children are a gift from the Lord, and the fruit of the wound is a reward. They're not just a, a tax write-off. They're not just a financial obligation. They're just not someone that gets in the way when you're trying to vacation. Children are a treasure, a heritage entrusted to our hands from the very God of heaven. He said they are like bows. They are, they are like arrows in, in, in a warrior's, in a warrior's uh, uh, quiver. They're like arrows. And we get to direct the arrow in whatever direction God has predetermined. How do we do that? The scripture says, train up your child according to the mold that God has already determined. Direct them. And when they're old, they will not depart from you. Children are not just trophies to brag about. Look, look, I, I did that. I did that. I'm not parroting him, but I did that. They're not idols to worship. Here's the fourth thing. The Apostle Paul was the initiator of verbal and public expressions of love. He called them, well, they're my children. They ought to be telling me I love them. I go to work and take care of them every day. How they get that roof over here? They eat my food. They drink my beverages. and They ought to be telling me. No, 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 Paul. I'm not going to wait for you to tell me you love me. I don't need your affirmation, but I want you to understand that I recognize that when I speak as a father, and I'm moving out of the realm of just being that person who has the authority to, to direct my family. I want to be that one who has an intimate relationship. I, I, I'm going to model for you what I expect you to be modeling for the family that you ultimately will have. He initiated it. I want everybody to know. When's the last time you were able to look at your daughter, dad, and say to her, in a public setting, I love you, baby. I just love you. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Last time you said to your big old son, boy, I love you. Not that we can say, I'm proud of you. Man, you're getting strong. I like the way you work. And we almost say, I almost, say, we, I almost said I love them. No, 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 no. A daddy can acknowledge in a public setting with his children in the room, he can look his wife in the eye and say, baby, I just want my children to know. I want the world to know. You mine. I, I love it. You're not mine as a possession, but you're, you're mine as a privilege. A daddy 
does the little things by saying those four simple words, four simple letters, that one word, love, love, I love you. It's not weak to say that you love those who you love. One of the greatest stories in the Bible of a, of, of a real man who was not ashamed to demonstrate in public his love for his son. Remember the story of the prodigal son in, in Luke chapter 15? Uh, he, he came to his dad. He said, look, dad, I know you ain't dead yet. And I know I'm not the oldest son, but I'm, I'm like tired of being in this restricted house. I'm t I know it's a mansion, and I know I got everything I need, but man, my, my boys are having so much fun, and, 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 and I'm just, I can't do what, I got to go to church. You guys talk about the Bible. No, no, no. Dad, give me my inheritance. And the father didn't have to, but he did. And the Bible says that when the boy got the money, he went crazy. He didn't move down the street. He didn't move across town. The Bible said he moved to another city. This is before FaceTime and Internet and email and text. Man, I don't want to see those jokers no more. I got mine. The Bible says in the course of time, in his madness with the money, but no maturity that he spent all that he had. Every friend he thought he had, they were now gone. This boy was homeless. There was no breakfast city mission. This boy was homeless. He was living on the street. And the Bible said he became so hungry that he desired to eat the husk that pigs ate. And I can just envision this son in the pig's pen getting ready to put slop in his mouth. And as he's getting ready to do it, the Bible says he came to himself. And he said, I'm going to return. And I'm going to tell my father, the disciplinarian, the authoritarian, the authority in my life, the one who deserves honor, the one who can get retribution, the one, he said, I have sinned and I, de and I deserve being disciplined. I deserve the role, the rod from the father's hand. So he made his way back to the father. And the Bible says, when the boy was at a great distance, this is before binoculars. This was before there was any uh, GPSs. He said, the father saw his son. How could he see his son? And he was at a great distance. Could he have been looking for him? He was looking for him. That's what fathers do. Fathers are responsible. They, they look and, and they want to find and make sure everything's okay. They want to protect even the wayward son, the, the prodigal son. He was looking and he saw him. But here's when he goes from father to daddy. The Bible says he lifted up the skirt of his garment. Men didn't do that. That was considered shameful. That was considered weak. You don't, men don't show their legs. They don't pick up the, 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 the skirt of their garment. And so he picked up the skirt and he began not to wait for his son to get to him, but he initiated love. He ran to his wayward son. I can just imagine he wasn't clean. He was thin. Probably hardly recognizable. But something about a daddy's heart. He knew it was his son. And the scripture said the first thing he did before his son could even open up his mouth. He acted in compassion. He kissed his son on the cheek. He said prepare the fatted Let's throw a party because my son, who was once lost, I want you to understand, a daddy don't care how far the son or daughter drifts. 
because relationship matters more than being in charge and the authority. The authority. And so one of the things that fathers do, little things, to move them from just being in the position to be a daddy means that you will acknowledge your love for your family in public. Let me give you a second thing that they do. Accept their children as they are without sanctioning their sin. Paul said, I don't, I'm not writing to shame you. Now, I could do that. I could go on a tirade. I, I, I could do a tweet a tirade on you. Man, I, I, could, I just could put all your stuff out there. You know, spend all my money. Embarrass my name. Come back looking like somebody's other kid. So I didn't write these things to shame you. Now, the disciplinarian spirit that often defines the role of fathers makes us want to correct things that are wrong. And often, as soon as our children say, we saw, we caught them doing wrong, they didn't do what we said, before they can even apologize, we've already dropped the guillotine. But here's what the scripture says, one who gives an answer before he hears. It is foolishness and shame to him. Listen, listening is one of the little things that daddies do. When you've been crying all night and you can't understand yourself and you've been beating yourself up by a mistake you've made, daddies will sit and put their arms around you and say, baby, it's all right. Son, it's okay. Now, they ain't going to say, well, go do it. No, 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 no. They're not going to sign off on your mess. One of the characteristics of a dad, a little thing that a dad will do when everybody else is up in arms and, 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 and let's do something about this and we got to correct this. This can't ever happen again. Not on my watch. <laughs> Daddies are saying, let's just hear him out. Let's just hear her out. And you listening and still sound crazy, but let's just, let's just, let's just listen to this. <laughs> And then sometimes, well, you were so easy. Why didn't you? No, 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 no. This wasn't the time to drop the hammer. Aren't you glad that the Lord doesn't always drop the hammer on us? The Bible says that his mercies are new every day. Great is his faithfulness. Thank you, God, for your mercy. Thank you, God, for your patience. He is long. Oh, I'm so glad. Long suffering towards us. He's not willing that any should perish. Even the worst of us, little things that parents, fathers do that become daddies, we listen. These are problem kids. Now, let me, let me, let me, let me not underestimate the Corinthian church. They had a unity problem. Some said, I follow Paul. I'm of Apollos. I follow Peter. Nah, I'm too spiritual. I only follow Jesus. How convenient Jesus is in heaven. They were divided over men. Paul says, some plants and others water, but it is God who gives the increase. So who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We're simply instruments in the hand of God. And so they had the problem of being divided. Unity was an issue. They had a purity problem in the church. There's a brother shacking up with his stepmom. There was incense in the church. There was 
there was witchcraft and homosexuality. First Corinthians chapter 6 and chapter 5 and through 6, they had issues. They had marital stuff. People divorcing for any reason at all. They had charity issues. That is Christian, li uh, 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 or liberty issues. Christian liberty is, well, I ain't nothing, nobody don't say nothing about you can't drink and smoke a blunt. I don't see nothing wrong with that. Nobody don't say nothing about you can't get high in public. And they got a problem with it. They got a problem with it. The Bible says knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Don't do anything that you have the liberty to do to harm your weaker sister or brother. They didn't care. They were carnal. They were just having church. They also had a theology problem in chapter 15 of Corinthians. They thought that Jesus had already come back. Oh, the resurrection has already come. And Paul said, well, if Jesus didn't die and raise from the dead, we are the most miserable of all. Everything that is called Christian lives or dies on the foundational fundamental truth that Christ, the Son of God, lived and died and rose again without the resurrection. They had a theology problem. They had a charity problem. They were fighting over spiritual gifts. I speak in tongues to you. Chapters 12 through 13. I speak in tongues. Actually, through 14. And Paul says, the greatest gift is not the ability to show off because the gift was never given to you for self-edification, but to build up the body of Christ. But the greatest gift that will never cease is agape love. They had generosity problems, too, in chapter 16. They had promised that they were going to give an offering. And a year went by, two years went by. They had given God an IOU. You know how he is. When I do better, I'll give better. No, you won't. You're stingy now. You'll be stingy now. You'll be stingy then. The Bible says, he who is faithful over a little thing. I would be scared not to tithe. I, the Lord, I wasn't always scared. I had good excuses until I kept getting flat tires and crashed up cars. God said, no, everybody's a tither. Well, how's everybody a tither? Because I sure wasn't giving mine. Well, every time I had to get my car fixed, every time I was rushing my kid to the emergency room, every time my shoes would, you know, why am I, I just got this shoe. Kids, I just bought the sneakers, and now they wear size 10. Last week they were wearing a, how can that be? You're going to tie one way or the other. So they had charity issues. The Bible says, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. You want to know what you really love? What you spend your money on? Guess who we spend our money on? It ain't the Lord, it's us. We love ourselves. And we say, bless me, Lord. I want a J-Blast blessing. Increase my territories, oh, Lord. Give me some top-shelf blessing. I'm waiting. Why hadn't my healing come? Why didn't I get that house? Why did I? Well, because you've been stealing from Jesus. You're ripping the Lord off. Paul had to send a contingent of elders <laughs> to collect the offering. Said, before they get there, have it ready. <laughs> we ain't gonna, you don't need to pray about it. Well, do I need to no, know? You don't need to pray about that. That's a command. They were accepted as his children with all their issues. Remember the story of Esau and Jacob? They're twin brothers, same parents, Isaac and Rebekah. They 
had prayed for years that the Lord would bless their womb. Now I know when you read the story why God took so long to allow them to have children. The Bible says that Isaac loved Esau more than he loved Jacob. And Rebecca loved Jacob more than she loved, wait a minute, these, these are the same parents. But they had favorites. One kid excelled in outdoor activities and hunting. The other was a more of a domesticated guy. He, he didn't mind being around the house. He was a shepherd, and, and Esau was a hunter. Dad loved the outdoors, and Mom loved the domestic part of Jacob. And so they were divided in their homes. We often do that. Our children don't get treated equally always. We, 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 we accentuate the one to get all the good grades. Straight A's are 4.0.9.9, if that's possible. We ain't mad that the other kid got a C, but we ain't making no big deal about that. There ain't nothing to brag about. But while this kid is not excelling, excelling academically, give him something to work with with his hands. Put that boy or girl in front of a computer. Uh, 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 let them, give them some art and, and give them some stencil and, and let's let, find out what their proclivities are. Find out what their interest is and let them excel. So we should not treat our children differently because one makes us look good and the other one's kind of shady. One if we need to get a DNA test for this one. <laughs> they were divided. But Paul accepted his children. That's what daddies do. They recognize that all, your, all my children are different. Here's another thing. Act right before your children. Act right. He said, therefore, I urge you to imitate me. The word I had trouble with. Imitate me. Act right. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord. Here's another spiritual son. He, called, he said, I love him who will remind you of my ways in Christ, in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Paul said, I was an example. Here's what daddies do, the little things. Daddies don't say, do as I say, not as I do. That's what I used to hear. I'm grown. I can do whatever I want to do. Now get out of here. Pass the drinks. No, no, not as I say. Oh, you want one too? You can sit with me. Some, some kids have learned and become drug addicts sitting with their parents getting high. That happens. Paul was an example of them. And that when you get a chance, we're not going to read the, all the verses, but in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16, here's how Paul said, he, Timothy's coming to remind you of how I conduct, how I acted. How did Paul act? He said, I forget those things. He says, not that I've already achieved or obtained. So one of the things that a daddy does, he admits his imperfections. I'm not perfect. I, mean, I used to look at my dad. My, my dad looked up. He like, he like 10 feet tall. He turned out he was shorter than me, but he seemed 10 feet tall. Ain't nobody can get, my, my dad's the strongest man in the world. And unfortunately, that's the impression that some men wanted their children to have of them, and their children never saw our, they saw our imperfections, but we never acknowledged them. 
Daddy isn't perfect. Anybody been able to say to their kids, Daddy makes mistakes? Daddy was wrong. I'm sorry. I've given some kids the uh, spank the wrong kids sometimes. Good, too. And then I say, well, I owed you that. I know it's something I should have got you for. So but I had to go back and say, I'm sorry. And you come here, Joker. It was for you. <laughs> Admit your imperfections. Put your past in the past, forgetting those things which are behind. I talked to a man who shared about his father who had never been educated, never gone to school, and how it just wrecked his self-image and how he, he just... That just became a generational curse on the men of his family until God intervened. And so a, a, a daddy can put the past in the past. That means you're able to forgive yourself and others for hurting you. He was also able to live in the, with, with purpose in the present. He said, this one thing I do. The Apostle Paul lived a purpose-driven life. He was a disciplined man, a responsible man. He did what it means to live on purpose. Means It means to do what you're supposed to do. He said, I, he said, this one thing I do. He also focused on the future. He said, I press towards the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. He was always trying to get better, always trying to grow. Those are little things that a daddy can do to show his family that you're not just settling for the, the easiest job. You're not just settling for, for the, 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 the comfortable house just because it would mean a little more effort, a little more school, a little more prayer, a little more faith. Daddies do the little things, the extra things. That I strive, I struggle towards the mark of the higher car. Now, here's the million-dollar question. When Paul says, model me, we, I showed you examples of what that looked like 2,000 years ago. But what does it mean when David said to his son Solomon as he was dying, he said, I'm about to die. He said, son, be strong and act like a man. Solomon didn't say, well, what do you mean by act like a man? He understood what that meant. But when you say that today, in this setting where men are just being carved up and masculinity is under attack, what does it mean to act like a man? What does it mean? Well, depending upon who you ask. You ask somebody out of the hood, they say, I mean, I ain't no punk. I'm sorry, that's what they say. I ain't no punk. I ain't no pushover. You ain't going to disrespect me. Being a man means that you look somebody in the eye. Don't you do it too long if you're in the hood, because they're going to think you're trying to punk them. Square your shoulders up when you walk in the room, boy. Don't be slouched in that chair. Men don't slouch in no chair. When you act like a man, you don't look feminine. You don't, you don't, you don't conduct yourself as no female, whatever that means. You don't wear pink and yellow and purple and, 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 and lime. Men don't wear no pink and purple. And by the way, where are your socks at, boy? Men wear socks. I'm getting ready to get in trouble here. <laughs> a man pays his bills by any means necessary. So if you got to hustle, sell drugs, sell yourself, 
tell your kids, you got, I just had to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be rich or die trying, that kind of idea. Men don't cry. Oh, what you doing crying? Well, I just fell down 10 flights of steps, and it hurt. <laughs> I just read of a brother, he got stabbed, and he called 911 to say he was in the middle of the street dying, and he said, would you send the police off? The police officer came and ran the man over and killed him. <laughs> what you doing dead? You ran over me. <laughs> that kind of killed me. You know what I'm saying? Men don't cry. Well, David, 600 mighty men cried. I read somewhere in the Bible, I believe the shortest verse in the Bible, the Bible said, Jesus wept. Here's another thing that this might mean to some when you're acting like a man. You father children, but you don't parent them unless they catch you. You sow your wild oats. Go on and have your fun. Don't you get tied down. Hang out with the boys. Get some video games and, and get some, get, 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 your, get your stuff. Then, you, you know, you got passed the, the bottle around and, and whatever, whatever it's called, the hoopa, hoopa. <laughs> I knew I was going to get in trouble. What is it? That might help the brother out. You know what it is, brother. Pastor, amen. Okay, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, <laughs> Some of these, <laughs> I done messed up. Anyway, anyway, praise the Lord. While some of these ideas may have a hint of truth about how a man, quote, unquote, acts, every example that I gave is sociologically based, which means that it can change depending upon where you live and the time that you live in. And so when Paul is talking about model his lifestyle, it, he, he really is not talking about testosterone. He's not talking about how, how big you is and put some bass up in that voice, man. No, what he's talking about for Christian fathers and dads, it's not physical, it's not mental, because if it was a physical and mental, we wouldn't be killing each other like crazy. We got more than we ever had, but we have no morals. We act worse than dogs and animals, the way we treat each other. This is spiritual. And so when Paul says, follow my example, be a man, what he's saying is a man is spiritually mature. Well, how do you know that? Well, Paul says it in verse 8 of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I, re I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, guess what men do? They put away childish things. We ain't just going to be sowing our wild seed. We ain't just going to be doing our thing until we don't feel like doing it anymore. And you just get in my back pocket, sister. And when I get ready to put a ring on, I think I might, I may. And so acting like a man and a father... A dad means that you are spiritually mature. You put away childish things. How do you know? A man provides for his family. He protects his family. He promotes his family as the, he, makes, he puts the interest of his family above his own. He's promoting his family, not himself. 
A mature man is the priest. You don't have to have, yeah, you need a pastor in the church, but every brother is a pastor at home. You are the spiritual covering, and so when you're walking and acting like a man, you are the leader, the spiritual leader of your house. You reading, you sharing the scriptures and praying with your family. A real man is a prophet. Oh, I'm going to talk about this Wednesday. It was the man who passed the blessing. A man, a dad, and I do this every birthday, whether my kids are with me or not. I'm going to pronounce a prophetic blessing over their life based on where they are and where I believe God is taking them. A man who's a prophet over his house, he's going to lay hands on his children. He's going to be able to prophesy over them. This is what God told me the moment you breathe your first breath, that this is where you're going. I know you're not there now. A prophet has vision for the future. The little thing is to accept your children for who they are without signing off on their sin. It's acknowledging that you love them in public. It's acting the right way before your children. But here's the fourth thing. We're almost done. Address problems. Paul says, now some of you are puffed up as though I'm not coming. I'm coming. So a real man is not just operating out of the father capacity, but as a daddy, he knows the, he's not the last person to know that his daughter is 10 months pregnant. I wonder why her stomach was getting so big. He's the last one to know. How is that possible? Eli and Phineas, they were priests. Should have never even, the Bible says God called them your sons are worthless men. I, that's the only place in the Bible where you hear God telling a father, your sons are worthless and they do not know the Lord. But in spite of that, Eli ordained them. When it came to his sons, he didn't address issues. Without going into a whole bunch of detail, and so what a real man does who is acting in the role of a daddy he cares enough, like God, God, the Bible says, he chastens those he loves. He disciplines because he loves you. And said, even though the rod of correction is not comfortable or pleasant when we receive it, God understands that when we are exercised and stretched in righteousness, we'll be able to discern good from, oh, it's a blessing when somebody loves you enough to deal with your mess. I'm so glad that there were men who loved me enough to call my stuff out. Aren't you glad? Yeah, the Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend, but faithful, even more impactful, are the wounds of a daddy who has developed a relationship with his sons and his daughters, and he can look that son in the eye and the daughter and say, you're wrong. One of the things that really blessed me, uh, I remember Pastor Cliff Ash, he had a situation in his family. And his child was wrong. And he took the side of the husband, took the husband in. And, 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 and it's, oh, how you blood is thicker than water. But the Bible says the blood, the blood of Jesus is thicker than human water. And so we have, we have to stand for what is right by addressing things when they're wrong. So a, a, a father, a daddy, a daddy. He's not going to watch his kid walk in the middle of the street with a tractor trailer coming. 
you're going to address the, the problem, right? All right, we're almost done. We're almost done. Here's the last thing. A daddy allows his children to make choices. Say that with me. A dad allows his children to make choices. Here's what Paul says. What do you want? Shall I come with you or come to you with a rod? Or in love or in the spirit of gentleness? Do you want me to come as a father or as a dad? Which one do you want, the rod? Or do you want the gentle side of the father, which is daddy? He allowed them to make a choice. It was really interesting. We would go shopping, and I would take my sons, and Brandon's here, would take him down, and they always had the contemporary stuff that was three sizes too large, and uh, Brandon loved red. He just loved red. Anything that was red, he wanted. Red sneakers, you know. <laughs> uh, red, you know, anything. Anything that was red, he had to have it. So what I would do, I didn't want to make all these choices. But I would choose what he could choose from. <laughs> I would say, we got to go through like five different things. i said, say, which one of these five do you want? We ain't going nowhere else, but, but guess, what, guess what he learned how to do? He learned how to choose. We cripple children when we make their decisions for them. I used to think this was the greatest thing. I get paid, work all hard for two weeks, and I give my mother my money. I never saw it again, but I would give it to her. And I was going to tell you, a lot of men who grew up like that, they never saw any money, and now you got a family, and you got to manage your funds. But you never had any funds to manage. Now, the good thing about my mother, she banked it for me. Hallelujah. She knew I didn't have good sense. And so she, she would put the money in the bank. I didn't know she was doing that. But the point is, you as a dad, a dad understands that in order to develop a son and a daughter, you have to learn to allow them to make choices for themselves. And sometimes the decisions they make Cause them to get F's on their reports. You ain't jumping, oh, you ain't getting no F on this. Well, give me, give me the material. And what's the topic anyway? I got this. But next time, and next time becomes the fourth time and the fifth time, and you keep bailing them out. And the first time they have some problems in their adult life, guess what? I'm going home to mom. No, you ain't. That's when father steps in. No, he ain't. <laughs> and so daddies allow their children to make decisions. We went out to eat last Sunday. We watched these little kids over there by uh, Schaefer Canal. They were down there by the water, climbing up on the poles and throwing boulders in the water and, and like putting their leg on the side and seeing that they could balance themselves. And I'm like, I wish they were mine. And I'm saying, also, I wish I didn't have to see this because I'm about to say something. This father in me is about to step in the, in, in the ring here. And then the Holy Spirit say, that's going to be the one who's climbing Mount Everest. That's going to be the person that's the pilot or somebody talking about they're going to Mars. I ain't going to no Mars. Nobody ever let me stand on a pole and hold my leg over and play like I'm on. No, no, no. But some, those, those parents in their own way of parenting, knew their children well enough that they, they, that they weren't going to, I sure wasn't jumping in that dirty water. They just were going to have to get a 911, and I pray for my do the funeral. <laughs> Send them to heaven. 
But all, well, all I'm saying is that sometimes we can be so overly protective, helicopter parent, that we never allow our kids to develop any creativity, any confidence, any ability to work through problems because we're always intervening. Some years ago, I got a visit from a member of the church, husband. He said, I'm about to end my marriage, Pastor. And I said, well, why would you want to end your marriage? He said, I believe my wife is turning my children against me. My children. He already on the wrong side of the street. Your children? I guess you carried them and, and, and breastfed them and all that. Okay, maybe you were. I don't know. But I don't think so. So anyway, I said, well, tell me why you think your wife. He said, well, when I came home, when I would come home from work, I would just stand at the door. And I could just hear the children laughing and joking with their mother. And they would just be having all kinds of fun and, and ripping and running through the house. But as soon as I turned the key, my children were like roaches. They would just scatter to their room, shut their doors, and I wouldn't see them again until the next day. She didn't turn no children. Why, why would they do that to me? If they, 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 I work for them every day and I provide for them. Why would they do that to me? She must have turned them against me. I said, well, what were you doing before they started behaving this way? He said, well, when I got home, I said, turn all the TVs off. Okay. I said, Go get your Bible. We're going to read a Psalm 119, the longest psalm in the Bible. We can't get any verses wrong, so if you, if you make a grammatical mistake, I would let them go back, because I didn't want them disrespecting the word of God. Then after they read the Psalms or whatever pastors I chose for them, then I would make them quote the scripture of the week in a couple weeks before, and then when they got it right, then they had to testify. And then once they testified, and I thought they were sincere, then we would pray, and I would tell them what they pray for, and, and, and then we, we, we'd have to have at least an hour of prayer. And then by the time 11 o'clock rolled around, I told them they could go to bed. I said, well, why do you think somebody would want to sit through what you just said you put them through? I'm just trying to be the priest of my home. You're not trying to be the priest of your home. You're trying to be a dictator. A tyrant. I said, now here's what I want you to do. When you go home, don't tell anybody to turn the TV off. Instead, I want you to run wherever your children are. I want you to hug your daughter, hug your wife, hug your sons. And, and, and then after you've hugged them, then say, how has your day been? And then I, that's all I want you to do for right now. Now, you keep praying for your family. You keep taking them to church once a week or however often you go. But we ain't going to do church every night. We ain't going to put you on the pastor's robe every night. That's not what it means to be a priest. I said, now I want you to come back to me in three weeks. Came back to three weeks. He said, well, I ain't divorcing her. I said, well, why not? He said, because my children love me. And when I come to the door now... They run to me and they say, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. I said, I know the difference now between being a father and becoming a daddy. 
memo to dads, to fathers. Let's become dads. Let's become dads. Let's pray. Would you stand with me? Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, help us today to learn how to laugh with our children, how to throw a football with them or a baseball or to bowl with them, to sit with them as they're drawing, to look at pictures of houses that they one day hope to live in. Help us as dads to dream dreams with our children. Help us, Lord, to acknowledge in public that we love our kids. Help us to accept them where they are without signing off on their sin. Father, help us to be everything that is required of us by allowing our children to make choices. God, may we be responsible enough as dads to address problems. In Christ's name, amen. As we are closing today on this Father's Day, I love it when my children call me dad. It really doesn't matter how old they are. I have to tell you, until my boys became teenagers, I kissed them in the mouth. Oh, you didn't know. I just loved them like that. Funny thing, I never kissed my daughter in the mouth, but I always kissed my boys. I don't know if I was trying to say to them that being a man is not just being able to beat someone, beat someone down. I don't know if they even saw that as strength. But what I do know that when we sit around the table and talk, they don't talk about the grandiose things that I did. They talk about the walks we've had. They talk about the times we would laugh and just fall into the, onto the floor. That's what they remember, the little things. The baseball game you attended, the football game you attended, they remember that. With that in mind, we want to bow our heads and close our eyes as we consider the greatest father and dad of all, the God of heaven.